Well, since I'm not having any sex, I might as well at least talk about it on Tranny Rex 69. And masturbating. <laughs> From Portland, Oregon. Tranny Rec Radio. Sometimes you can't get your girlfriend to come. Maybe you drank too much, ate too much. Something is wrong and you can't put your finger on it. It's the mystery, mystery of the clit. But it's all that you need if you want to make her sing. Just give her doorbell a ring. I remember the first time that I tried to find it. It was a treasure hunt. Was a pirate. I thought I struck gold, but she said no. That is an instant. It's to the left, just a bit. Oh, she. Not worth the damn Cause there's no hard and fast rules to it It's the mystery Of the clitoris It's small But it's all that you need If you want to make Don't be afraid to use your
That was uh, Mystery of the Clit by Nice Peter. You can find that at nicepeter.com. I pulled that off of the Podsafe Music Network. A link to his page on there will be in the show notes. My name is Rebecca Ney, and you are listening to Tranny Rec Radio. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, 2007. Wherever you're listening, whether it be directly from trannyrec.com, uh, through my podcast feed, through transfm.org, KCJ, god damn it, unless I have it written down, WKJCE, uh, myspace.com slash trannyrec, Facebook, and uh, last but not least, the freak network. Dot com. Happy one year anniversary to the freaknetwork.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so glad to be a part of that network. And wherever you're listening, thank you so fucking much. I really mean it. Um, okay, well, it's, you know, Training Rec 69. I had some bold plans for this episode a long time ago one of the things that when i first joined the freak network that i thought about doing for training rec 69 is inviting the the postmodern sex geek uh to come on the show she's a member of the freaknetwork.com but comcast has kind of been fucking me over i'm still having internet problems i've actually tried to change isps a couple of times but haven't been able to due to reasons that I won't go into detail here. So, uh, yes, I'm still trying to... I. That's one of the reasons I haven't had anybody on my show for quite some time, is just because I'm still having internet problems. So, uh, I figure with Tranny Rex 69, I might as well just kind of talk about my sex life, and or the lack thereof. Now, if this is a topic that makes you uncomfortable because you don't want to know about other people's private doings, private affairs, then um, don't listen to this episode. <laughs> it's very simple. That's the, There's a stop button on your audio player, whether it be your iPod or your if you're listening just on the Internet. It's, it's, a, it's a square button. Usually on most players, it's a square button, and the, if what I'm going to talk about makes you uncomfortable, you can hit the square button. It's got four sides. So anyway, for the rest of you, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I hope you like that song. That was a really fucking kick-ass song. Kind of got me into the mood that I want to be in when talking about this subject, which is kind of a light mood, but I'm going to definitely get deep and heavy on you here. Um, you know, a lot's happened in the past year that things that have happened, uh, that I have done either decisions that I have made or have made in conjunction with Alex that, should be improving my sex life. That I guess you could say is the ultimate goal. Uh, first and foremost was my decision uh, when I and I made the decision years ago. But uh, actually going to Thailand last November to have sexual reassignment surgery. 
Now, unlike what mainstream media portrays as the most popular reasons that trans women go have SRS is to become a whole woman, become a real woman, uh, to match your body with your gender identity. And, and, and while some of those reasons did play into my reason to have SRS, uh, because I do feel more comfortable with my body now, you know, I, I've harped on this again. It has nothing to do with gender identity. For me, it was the biggest reason that I wanted to have my surgery is, number one, to feel comfortable with my body. And the reason I wanted to feel comfortable with my body is so it would improve my sex life. Now, I... Do do we ever the quest to feel completely comfortable with my with our bodies? Do we ever completely succeed? Even those that are supermodels, do they feel completely comfortable with their bodies? I, I would almost venture that supermodels probably have more body dysmorphic issues than maybe even I do. Um, but basically, for me, it was a decision to improve my sexual life. Now, up to this point, it's been, let's see, last November I had it. It's September, so it's been 10 months since my SRS. And as of yet, I have yet to use my new equipment. Now, they say it's, uh, that some trans women will uh, will uh, start having sex, sexual penetration, uh, as soon as two to three months after their surgery. Um, I decided that I wasn't even going to make an effort until the, uh, at least six months. Uh, and over the last couple of months I have made, I have tried a couple of times with Alex and because he's not here to talk about it, I'm not going to go into intimate details about those experiences. So needless to say, <laughs> I'm still a virgin again. <laughs> Now, I never thought I would ever utter the sentence, I am a virgin. And I guess in pure technical terms, I'm not. But, you know, I haven't been penetrated yet in my vagina. And, you know, that's one of the big big reasons that I got it um, is, is for that purpose. Um, so... Not the only reason, but the biggest one. <laughs> so, so where do I go from here? Um, here, there, there are several reasons. I mean, yes, I tried with Alex, but the other reason that I haven't really had any kind of a sexual experiences is because, frankly, I haven't even tried. Uh, the only effort I've put into even get to getting laid is I've posted a couple of ads on uh, the internet and I'm not a big fan of personal sites. I'm, I'm, I, other than the, I think what was that one ad that I placed on uh positive pause com I think is what it called. And of uh, bondage.com. <laughs> Other than like uh, the the pause personal side and the bondage side, which is you know basically fetish, I, I don't really see those sites as 
I, I just posted something on there, and I just really put myself out there, very honest and forthright about my HIV status and my status as a trans woman. And so far, the only hits I've gotten are on the Pause Personal site from guys that are, like, on the other side of the country. Um, and, you know... You know, I, I was. Uh, let, let's put. Let, let's let's be honest here. I was a fucking slut in my twenties. I mean, I didn't get the. I didn't contract HIV from sitting at home and crocheting. Uh, I was a little slut, and you know what? Those were. Those were while those were some of the most difficult years of my life. I definitely miss the 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 sex that i had uh i mean a lot of times it wasn't that great but every once in a while i would find somebody that i just truly clicked on all engines with and the sex was fucking wonderful and what i'm kind of looking for now is kind of a halfway a happy medium between being an absolute slut and being a, a dried up old hag, which is pretty much what I feel like right now. There's fucking cobwebs growing in my cunt. And a lot of the reason, I mean, yes, my comp, the big, I think my biggest issue, and this is where I'm going to get very personal with you guys, and uh, is my confidence. Right now, I am scared to death of getting out there, putting myself out there. To date. And, you know, I don't want to do it through online personal ads. Yeah, I have a couple of out there just to humor myself, but I'm not really serious about those. If I was really serious about getting out and trying to date, trying to have a happy and healthy sexual life, I would put myself, I would go out, I would have a more active social life. I would start going out. I, I don't know if going out to bars is what I want to do, but there's nothing wrong with going out to a bar every once in a while, having a few drinks, being social and meeting people, um, uh, you know, getting involved in political groups, getting involved with social groups. I'm an, I'm an avid cyclist. Uh, well, I was up until my surgery, um, but cycling is a passion of mine. Uh, getting involved with groups that I'm pas uh, that that deal with issues that I'm passionate about. I'm terrified. I'm terrified to do that. Not only am I terrified to do that for the obvious reason, which is rejection. Um. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. I'm a fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I am so goddamn tired. Uh, when I was diagnosed with HIV July 13th, 2000, for the next, for, the, for, the, for, for about a year, I was still putting myself out there and trying to date. And the more I tried to date, the more I tried to put myself out there and be honest about my HIV status, the more I was treated, not like a person, but treated like a fucking disease. And 
you know, it's one thing to be just rejected flat out for some stupid fucking reason. You know, if somebody rejects me because they're just not attracted to me or they're just not, you know, it's, you know, it's just I'm not their thing. That's, you know, yeah, that sucks. That hurts. But being rejected because you've got a virus in your blood that they're absolutely terrified of, even though the chances of my blood coming in contact with their blood are minimal. Um, and, and let's face it, that's really the way, I, that's really the most probable way of me passing on the HIV virus to another person is if my blood comes in contact with their blood. And I'm sorry, I'm just not into blood play. <laughs> <laughs> cutting a gaping gash in my in my skin and going, hey, you want to suck on this? Ooh, let's rub blood scars together. <laughs> it's painful. It's painful that people have so much fear of this disease that they won't even they, they don't they that they don't that even if they're attracted to me, even if they're interested in me. They won't have any, they, they won't even go there, won't even go there. There's so many safe forms of sexual and sensual intimacy that don't involve uh, the, the risk of uh, sharing bodily fluids. And just a, a quick HIV 101 here for you guys. The only way that the HIV virus, the, the only four fluids, bodily fluids that carry the HIV virus in an amount that could be transmitted are blood. That's the number one one. Breast milk, semen, uh, and vaginal secretions. Okay, in my particular situation, <laughs> semen we don't have to worry about. <laughs> I'm not shooting any semen anymore. I haven't for about six or seven years. <laughs> when I started on hormones preoperatively, that pretty and I got uh, my bilateral orchiectomy, uh, which is castration for those of you that are not familiar with that term. When I had that procedure done five or six years ago, uh, pretty much anything shooting out of my uh, penis was, <laughs> it was very minimal. It was like sticky little fluid. Um, so semen, you know, you, you don't have the, 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 op, the uh, possibility of contracting HIV through my semen is zero since I really don't have any anymore. Uh, breast milk, um, <laughs> Since my breasts are mostly made of silicone, I don't think there's going to be any breast milk, vaginal secretions. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty dry down there. <laughs> I think I, I the only I think the the amount of secretion that my pussy uh, extracts I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for is like almost. Neil, it's really similar to what uh, my penis was doing when I would have uh, orgasms preoperatively -oper, pre uh, after my orchiectomy, if that made any goddamn sense. After orchiectomy, before SRS, 
the kind of orgasms I had would just spurt out just a tiny, little tiny bit of fluid. And I pretty much when I have an orgasm, a clitoral orgasm now, that's pretty much the extent of it. Just a tiny little drop of fluid, a couple drops or two, and that's pretty much it. So out of the four fluids that I could possibly transmit the HIV virus to another human being, the only one that really I have is blood. That's how tiny of a chance I have of transmitting the HIV virus to another human being. But how many people in in a dating environment, in an environment where you're trying to pick up on somebody or somebody's trying to pick up on you or even even if you're not in that kind of environment, but that kind of thing is happening. I'm not going to sit here for 10, 15 minutes and give somebody an HIV 101. Fuck that shit. And even still, even after you give somebody an HIV, HIV 101, if they hear it coming from me, they won't believe it. Fear rules all. I am so goddamn... I, I can't say I'm sick of being treated like a disease because... Really, the last four to five years, it hasn't really happened because I've been in a relationship with Alex, who, uh, let me tell you how, how, how it, let me tell you guys how it came down with Alex. Alex was, was and is an amazingly wonderful human being. I, I will love him for the rest of my life. When we, when Alex and I first met, we went on our first date. And we didn't do a whole hell of a lot. We, you know, he was, he, he traveled to port. He traveled three hours to Portland on a bus just to meet me. Uh, he was currently living in Southern Oregon at that time. So I allowed him to stay at my house. And on our first date, we, you know, did a little bit of hanky panky, but nothing really above kissing and just kind of filling each other's body up. And, you know, that was by my choice because I wasn't comfortable telling him about my HIV status on the first date. So I wasn't going to do anything with him that could remotely uh, represent any chance of transmission, even to the per- even to the most ignorant of people. I think it's fairly common knowledge nowadays that kissing does not transmit the HIV virus. But, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can't always take that for granted that everybody knows that either. So, uh, as I found out at a party that I had a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> thankfully I wasn't trying to kiss this person because there was an individual at my party that was afraid to touch my silverware <laughs> because she was afraid she'd contra- contract HIV. <laughs> so, you know, that's probably the extreme end of ignorance there. And I think it's, uh, I think a sm- uh, I would like to believe a small minority of people are that ignorant about HIV. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to run around in a dating scene zone going, okay, I have the HIV and the only way I can transmit it to you is through blood play or, um, and and, and 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 let me back up here. I, and I know if there's anybody that uh, is an HIV pre, uh, prevention expert, I don't know if Marie is still listening to the show or not. 
yes, if somebody were to penetrate me uh, without a condom, the chances of HIV being passed from me to the while the chances of HIV are being passed from me to them are very low because basically I would have to be bleeding in my cunt and they'd have to have a sore on their penis. Even still, I'm I you know, I'm not I'm not you know I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna make anybody that wants to penetrate me wrap that shit up. And in my mind, that should be an acceptable risk. Eris agrees. <laughs> In my mind, that should be an acceptable risk. Because when I was negative, that was a risk I was willing to take. I think it's all about education. So that's one. I mean, really, I think more being HIV positive more so than being a post-operative transsexual woman uh, is my biggest reason for not wanting to go out and date and be social. It's because I simply don't want to fucking deal with that. However, uh, eventually I'm going to have to deal with that because uh, eventually I'm going to have to deal with that because uh, uh, I really want to get laid. <laughs> So now that I've explained all of this to you guys, um, I, I was going to talk about the social anxiety that I feel just being out in public because I'm a six foot one woman who, uh, while I think I'm mostly mostly passable, I, I don't pass in everybody's eyes. Uh, that causes me a lot of social anxiety, but I'm already hitting 25 minutes and I really don't want to go into that. Needless to say, to a lesser extent than the HIV thing, maybe even an equal extent, I don't know. That, that plays into my lack of motivation to want to go out and be social. As I, you know, when I do go out, I get stared at. But if I put a little bit more effort into, uh, into my self-appearance, and presenting myself in more of a, I guess, I hate to say this, feminine manner, <laughs> which isn't entirely genuine to who I am, but, you know, it's a reality. If I were to do that, I'd probably feel better about myself from an appearance perspective. So, really, getting into the dating scene, the biggest fear I have is being treated like a disease. Because it happened for the first year that I had the virus, really the first couple of years that I was HIV positive before I met Alex, that's how I was treated. And I just don't want to be treated like that anymore. I don't want to be treated like that again. So uh, here's where I want your feedback. Uh, and, and this issue, I really want your feedback. If you're in my position, what do you do? When you go out and date, I mean, obviously on a first date before there's any kind of sexual contact, or maybe even if it's not dating, because I'm not ready for a relationship. I just want to go out and fuck. Um, idealistically, I'd like to have some fuck buddies that I can have no strings fun with, because I'm certainly after just getting out of a relationship that was uh, very emo that that pretty much has me emotionally spent. I don't want to get into another one. I don't want to get into, you know, a situation where somebody's going to expect me to live with them or them live with me or whatever. Fuck that shit. 
I like living by myself and I want to keep it that way for a while. But I also want a happy or I, I want a healthy sexual life. So what do I do? Do I this? These are my two options the way I see it. My two options are I can be open and honest with every, anybody and everybody about my HIV status uh, and never get laid or when I'm in a so when I'm in a situation like that I can keep it to myself and use and be safe in other words use protection that carries a lot of risk in and of itself not inherently the risk of like passing the disease on because I really do want to keep this to myself and uh, and and I know the risks I know what risks what I am not willing to put myself in a situation where there's any kind of substantial risk of me passing the HIV virus on to another person. I just won't do that. I consider myself to be an ethical person. But here's the catch. I also consider myself to be an honest person. And I just don't know if I could live with myself going out and being sexually active while not being open about my HIV status with every partner. But it let's be honest, it happens. I know, and I know the fact that I'm even considering that. Some of you are probably judging me, but I guarantee those of you in my audience that have HIV, you understand exactly what I'm saying. So for those of you that are that are HIV negative, try and put yourself in my shoes for just one second. And, and think about if you were HIV positive, knowing the stigma that exists in our society, what would you do? And, and, and it's not as black and white as you want to believe it is. So that's where I'm at. You know, I, I, I want to have a sex life, but I, I but but the practical side of me says that, um, you know, I can't be as open and honest about my status as I want to be. Now, the caveat to that is I talk about it very openly on this program, and the the last thing I want to do if I'm in a situation where I have a sexual partner. If they do find out about my HIV status, it needs to come from me and not anybody else. So the practical side of me really, I'm leaning towards being completely open and honest with everybody that I intend on having sexual experiences with. That is the right thing to do. There's no question about that. But keep in mind... If I were a gay man, the the decision would not be as difficult because gay the, the gay male community, the gay community in general is a lot more educated about HIV than the population of men and women that would be interested in me. So, I don't know. Maybe there's an exception to that in the lesbian community. That's another reason why I think another reason why I just want to go strictly lesbo <laughs> is because I think lesbians in general are probably more educated about HIV than the general population at large. But uh, straight and bi men, uh, probably not so much. <laughs> so 
anyway, I, I I just wanted to get that out in the open. Um, I want your opinions on this. 206-338-2563. Do, is there any, uh, what would you do if you were in my situation? Would you be out and open and honest with every sexual partner? And, or wouldn't you be? And if so, why? I would love to hear from those of you that are positive, that are listening. And I'd love to hear from you, those of you that are negative. And don't just fucking call me up and say, well, Rebecca, I can't believe you'd even consider and get all haughty fucking toddy with me because that shit will just piss me off. I'll still appreciate the voicemail, but it'll piss me off. (laughs) That tells me that you not only uh, instead instead of trying to understand my situation, you're just immediately jumping on the judgmental bandwagon. For those of you that feel like you need to do that and want to call, I'll take the voicemail either way. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, I think that's the bulk of my sh- of the show here. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and I have some voicemails to play. Uh, you, you guys really did a, a great job responding to the last show that I did. Um, and let's start off by hearing from Ainsley. Uh, hello, this is Ainsley. Um, I'm so happy that you're happy that I haven't called for a while because, uh, you need to rest. And I won't even say anything about your terrible comment about the uh, Native American sports mascot. Um, absolutely. Larry Craig must be supported by the queer community. No question. Anybody wanting to do it has a lot of cheers from me. Thank you. Thank you, Ainsley, for that uh, voicemail. I, I'm I'm so glad you didn't comment about my quote unquote terrible comment about Native American sports mascots. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that issue is as black and white as uh, you would like to believe it is, uh, Ainsley, because uh, the Native American tribes have a very uh, a lot of the Native American tribes have a very lucrative relationship with the. Uh, public universities and well i'm sure using well if 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 i were going to create a sports team i definitely wouldn't use a native american mascot as my primary choice as a matter of fact i wouldn't use one at all that's just me personally but when it comes to issues regarding the native american communities in our country i'm thinking sports mag- mascots is probably pretty low on their list of problems and issues that they have so i'm a, you know ainsley re- basically replied to that cuz a few shows ago i talked about my uh my uh love and passion for the university of utah running utes uh, I've been a fan of the running Utes since I was, uh, uh, 12 years old and, uh, that's not going to stop. <laughs> Sorry, Ainsley. Uh, as far as your comment on, uh, the, the gay community supporting Larry Craig, uh, Ainsley basically is responding to, uh, 
uh, my uh, Rebecca Nays playlist uh, segment from uh, Tranny Rec 68 where I talked about where I was talking about uh, Larry Craig. Uh, my opinion, ugh, spit it out, Rebecca. My opinion basically is that the gay community uh, should take the moral high ground and support Larry Craig. Um, and Ainsley's basically agreeing with that. Um, there is an interesting uh, update on that. Apparently, the ACLU has filed suit in behalf of Larry Craig. Uh, basically, the ACLU is stating that Larry Craig's constitutional uh, or free speech rights have been violated because there's nothing illegal about soliciting for sex in public that you intend on uh, performing in private. And considering that these police could not prove that Larry Craig had intentions of performing sexual acts in public, uh, the ACLU basically believes that Larry Craig's uh, free speech rights were violated. But I can agree with that. So that's kind of an interesting development. The ACLU is basically defending somebody that basically thinks they're evil. So... Um, maybe that'll get a lot of ACLU haters thinking twice about, you know, you know, what they're really standing for. And it's not a liberal agenda. It's the fucking Bill of Rights. So thank you, Ainsley, uh, for your comments, even the ones that I don't agree with. <laughs> but I think I basically say that every time that Ainsley calls into my, uh, voicemail line. So, uh. Don't stop, Ainsley. I love it. <laughs> hey, Rebecca. This is Tom, a.k.a. The Ramble Redhead. Just want to leave you a quick message to congratulate you on your two-year anniversary of podcasting. That is truly awesome. Um, we've got quite a long list of people, including myself and Omar and so many others that have uh, been doing the show for two years. So I just want to give you a big shout-out and congratulate you on that achievement. I wish you all the best, and I'd uh, love to have you back on the show again soon. You are an awesome guest, and everybody really responded to your words. So again, I hope you're doing well, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tom. That was Tom from the Ramble Redhead podcast, which you can find at rambleredhead.blogspot.com. Uh, a link uh, to his show will also be in the show notes. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, how, congratulations on two years of podcasting to you as well, Tom. I That's... Uh, to podcast for two years, it takes a lot of time and effort to produce a podcast. And to do it for two years, you know, without – well, for me, I've had, I've taken breaks. I've had my off-seasons. I think Tom has produced quite a few more episodes than I have. But So, uh, ditto, congratulations to you as well. We both started right around the same time. So, thank you, Tom. Uh, let's – now we got to – I also have a voicemail from – Jaina from the Trans Ponder Trans Dash Ponder podcast. Uh, Jaina Miller were on this program a few weeks ago, uh, and Jaina is calling in in response to uh, a voicemail that I played last week from Edward in regards to whether Larry Wachowski is a transsexual or not. Let's hear that. Hey, Rebecca. This is Jaina. Um... Anyway, so talking about Larry Wachowski slash Lana Wachowski, um, well, you know, I think one thing that hasn't been considered is the fact that he is in a relationship with a dominatrix. And, um, you know, 
this may be her kink, not his. He may just want to be, like, told what to do. And she's like, you know, be my bitch. And he or she is her bitch. So just something to consider. Also the fact that, you know, this article is on Fox News. Since when does Fox News have any credibility anymore? So that's all. That's that's my only comment. Love the show. Talk to you later. Milo says hi. Bye. Hi, B. Hi, Mila. <laughs> and thank you, Jaina, for that voicemail. Um, you know, that, that, well, as far as the credibility of Fox News, I won't disagree with you at all there because they are full of shit. I think my biggest critique of that Fox News article was how transphobic in nature the article was. Um, as to whether Larry, Larry Bukowski is, uh, you know, transsexual, I could totally see Fox News. Uh, learning that Larry Wachowski is in a dominat- is in a relationship with a dominatrix, and seeing that, and just the act of uh, being subordinate or being submissive, they could see that as they could take. I could see uh, a, a quote unquote responsible news organization like Fox News uh, twisting a, a relationship like that into somebody being a transsexual. So who knows, you know, maybe it is just a kink thing between Larry Wachowski and uh, and uh, his or her wife. Uh, but, you know, you know, until Larry Wachowski comes out and says it comes out and and reveals his or her gender identity, uh, it's really none of our fucking business. So but, you know, that's Fox News for you. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Larry Wachowski is the, uh, for those of you that didn't listen to the last show, he is the director, he is one of the directors of The Matrix. So, <laughs> for those of you who are going, who the fuck is Larry Wachowski? I have one more voicemail to hear, to to play, and this is from somebody who you guys might be somewhat familiar with. That was pre-op Rebecca, pre-operative Rebecca from uh, preoperativetrainyrec.com. Pre-op Rebecca was on my last Tranny Rec Raw, and uh, I guess she is one. If you couldn't hear, I know that I do apologize for the audio quality of uh, that voicemail. Uh, Pre-op Rebecca is kind of retarded. Uh, she doesn't know how to uh, operate her microphone at- accurately, and so it sounds like she's speaking from like 10 miles away from the the mic. So I apologize for the audio quality of that voicemail, but that's what you get when you hear from pre-op Rebecca. So she, she's also too stupid to call into my regular voicemail line, which is 206 338 Two five six three, and she was probably too stupid to remember that you can also, if you can't remember the number, that you can call two zero six three. Fuck me, but 
in spite of how stupid pre-op Rebecca is, I'll probably have her on my show again uh, once I get my internet problems fixed once and for all. And Comcast is out of my life forever. But thank you, you dumb bitch, for uh, trying to interact with my show, even though you're too retarded to do it in a way that my listeners can hear you. So, uh, with that, now that I have uh, 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 totally uh, lamb-blasted uh, all of my colors, I do, would like to encourage you to call my voicemail line, 206-338-2563 or 206-3-FUCK-ME. Uh, I would love your feedback on what we talked about today and uh, any responses you have to the voicemails that I played today. Let's go ahead and wrap this show up with a big fat condom, which will prevent me spreading the HIV virus to all of you, because you know that if you listen to this too long, you're going to get the have. Uh, with that in mind, uh, let's see, getting back to my show notes here. Uh, the song that I'm going to play was a listener request from Dace who we haven't heard from in a very long time, but uh, Dace requested this song uh, by Mario Spinetti, uh, and I will put a link to his MySpace page in my, the show notes. The name of this song is Man on the Moon, but before I play this, I just want to tell all of you that uh, my email address is trainyrec at gmail.com, and I love you, and Go fuck yourself. We were first to the moon, moon to Houston. We're doomed to get the presidents on the phone. There's a note on the man. It appears that his planning was eminence. We're alone. It reads Venus. I'm so sorry. Oh, So sorry, it reads Venus. I'm so sorry, but the sun on the spaceship it brought me to this. As I stepped to the edge and I signed the kiss, it said, "Let our nation rise." I'm a Spoon and cat. Oh, it's satellite. Our nation rise. Here's to you, here's to solitaire. Here's to star the shit in the air. Goodbye. I break a new. Sorry, all oh, between us. I'm so sorry. Oh. 
This program is a member of the TransFM Internet Broadcast Network. Oh no, I'm filled with super sadness because this show is over. But that's alright, we'll be okay because we can listen to this show and others like it on thefreaknetwork.com. Oh... 